Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. And let's pray. Father, we ask that tonight, that as we've settled into our chairs, that right now that we would just open our ears to hear your word. And as we go through this chapter, there's so much to learn. And I pray that we wouldn't just look at and read the narrative here, but also make the application. And there's much to apply as we see um, this historical account of David and what has happened to him and what has taken place. And Lord, we know that this is Bible studies for us today. So Lord, we look forward to what you're going to teach us and show us tonight in the next few moments. Maybe we just quiet before you right now and open our ears to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we have seen over the last couple weeks in chapters 16 and 17 that David really is at a high point of his life. He's just a young man. He's a teenager. He's very, very young. But yet we saw in chapter 16, as the Lord would say to Samuel, the prophet, go to Bethlehem and go to Jesse, and there you're going to anoint uh, the new king of Israel. So it was Saul that has been rejected by the Lord because of his disobedience, because he's desiring to draw attention to himself. He's making monuments, as we saw in chapter 15, to himself there on Mount Carmel. He's wanting to look good before the people. He's prideful. He's in his disobedience, unrepentant uh, towards the Lord. And so the Lord has said to Saul through Samuel the prophet that the kingdom has been taken away from you, Saul, and is going to be given to another that is one who has a heart after me. And that, of course, being David. And so as Samuel went to Bethlehem, he anointed David as the new king of Israel. And we know the story as we travel through the rest of 1 Samuel that David isn't going to ascend to the throne right away. That actually there's going to be many years between now and when David does become the king and in that position as the king of Israel. And even though he's anointed king, maybe perhaps not understanding all the implications of what was taking place there, he was the one that was out in the field, the youngest of Jesse's sons. And Jesse had, of course, eight sons, and all the sons passed before Samuel, and they were rejected. And so Samuel uh, would say to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Well, the youngest, he's out there in the field with the shepherds. And, of course, he would be brought before Samuel anointed with oil, and then uh, he uh, would then leave Bethlehem. It was in chapter 17 that we saw that famous story of David slewing Goliath, and in that, as David would go to the battle lines there in the valley of Elah, on one side was the Philistine army, the other side was the armies of Israel, and they were in battle array, and as they're in that valley, only about 10 miles west of where Bethlehem was, there was the giant Goliath from Gath, the, the Philistine fighter who 
was huge, at least nine feet tall. We saw that his armor weighed almost 200 pounds. The head of his spear was 25 pounds. This guy was a monster, and he was a champion. He was probably the fiercest fighter on the, on the face of the earth. And he comes out, and he's stomping up and down the valley for 40 days, twice a day, issuing this challenge to the army of Israel. Hey, Bring somebody out to fight me. And if I win, then you guys are going to be our slaves. But if you win, the guy who you send out, we'll fight one-on-one. We'll, we'll fight men-to-men. And we will see that uh, whoever wins, the other losing army will be slaves to the other ones. And of course, you know, the, the armies of Israel, as we read in chapter 17, they trembled when Goliath would come out twice a day for 40 days issuing that challenge. And so David, he was told by his dad, David was so young at this time in chapter 17 that he wasn't even old enough to be in the armies of Israel. So his father said, listen, take some food to your brothers and to the captain of the army, and then I want you to be able to tell me the news of what's going on in in the front lines. So David would go, and as David went, there he is talking with his brothers when giant Goliath came out and issued that, that challenge once again. And it was David that heard Goliath for the first time, and he said, who is that? uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. It was the first time that God was brought into that situation. And he's saying, who is he? That he's mocking our God and and he's out to defy the armies of the living God. And so it was David that, as we know, would go against Goliath. David was just a sling and a stone. And he would face Goliath, who uh, was armed, a champion, all his armor all over him. And as they met in that valley, it was Goliath that looked at David and said, who am I, uh, you know, that, uh, a dog that you would come at me with sticks? You're just a boy, and you're going to get it now. And I'm going to lop your head off, David. I'm going to feed your body to the birds. And it was David that would look at that giant in the eyes. And he would say that, Goliath, you're going to know that the God of Israel is the living God. And this is his battle. And the wonderful thing about chapter 17 that is such a great story of faith and, and how we are to have that kind of faith that God will work on our behalf. And David's confidence was in the Lord. And that's where our confidence needs to be whenever we face the Goliaths of our lives. And so we know that David took that stone and put it in the sling and he hit Goliath right between the eyes and Goliath went down and David went and ended up chopping his head off. And so there was benefit given to David and his family. It was Saul that said, whoever can go and defeat Goliath, that they can have my daughter to marry, Their family is going to be exempt from taxes. There's going to be benefit. And, of course, we saw as we ended chapter 17 that it was Saul that was asking David, who's your father, your family? Because he needed to know that information so he can, you know, have the benefits and be exempt from taxes. So now as we open chapter 18, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that is David, the soul of Jonathan, we know that Jonathan is the son of Saul, And um, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So here are two guys that are real men of faith. 
Now, I just want to pause for a minute because I think it's worth mentioning this and, and kind of setting up where we are going now for the rest of the book of 1 Samuel because David at that high point, he, he's had that experience of being anointed king as Jesse came to his house. David probably never dreamed that would ever happen to him. Certainly his father didn't. His father thought, you know what, David, he, there's no way that he could be anointed king. He, he needs to be out with the sheep. And we know that as David would come in, David had you know, that training, being out there as a shepherd. And the Lord said, now you're going to be the shepherd of my people. David knew what it meant to be a worshiper, having a heart after God. So David experiencing that and then showing such great faith as the Israelites would rout the Philistines after he killed the giant Goliath. And now we see that Jonathan, the the son of the king, he really cares for David. And it says that their soul was knitted together. That is, it was a kindred spirit. And here's the thing that I wondered Where was Jonathan in chapter 17? Because you recall that in chapter 14 that Jonathan, he showed great faith, didn't he? It was Jonathan that snuck over to the garrison of the Philistines and said, let's see what God will do as he's talking to his armor bearer. Let's just see what God might do because nothing restrains the Lord from working. He can save with many or with few. So Jonathan in that chapter, he showed great faith. And of course, After that uh, working of God, as Jonathan knew that the Lord was going to save Israel, uh, the, the Philistines at that time were routed as well. So I was thinking, where was Jonathan? You would think that perhaps Jonathan, in showing that faith in chapter 14, maybe he would have took on Goliath. But there's no indication uh, where Jonathan was. I think that he was there because here's David talking with Saul after he kills Goliath. And when he had finished speaking to Saul, all of a sudden Jonathan is there. And I think that Jonathan, that he saw the faith of David and it stirred him up and it helped him and it encouraged him and built him up. And I think there's an important lesson in that as we consider that because there are times in our lives that we'll have these mountaintop experiences. It seems like that we display faith, that we're really putting our confidence in the Lord and we see the Lord working in a great way, but then all of a sudden we begin to falter. We become weak spiritually or we begin to falter a bit in our faith. We get discouraged, whatever it might be for us. And that's not unusual, because I think we see it happening with Jonathan. Jonathan, who had such great faith, he was willing to take on the Philistines. He wasn't afraid. But then when Goliath came along, perhaps Jonathan was one of those that was shaking and quaking in his boots as Goliath gave that that, challenge, come out and fight one of you. And it was David, when he saw David, that shepherd boy, and probably had never met David, you know, or, or, or seen David before that, as, as David was there in that, using that sling and that stone, that his, in, you know, faith was encouraged and built up. You see, that's why it's important that, that we get together as brothers and sisters, and brothers, you know, and sisters that we share together what God is doing and encouraging, not bragging, you know, not trying to act all spiritual, but God is working in my situation and in, in the problems that I have. God is showing himself strong and it encourages and it builds the other brother or sister up that perhaps is faltering or feeling a little bit discouraged or whatever it might be. 
So make sure that we share with each other what it is that the Lord is doing and what he's showing you and how he's working in your life to bless another brother or sister in the Lord. So Jonathan is encouraged as, as he sees, yes, you know what, the Lord is able to save with few or with many, with one or with a lot. The Lord is faithful. And so he is renewed in his faith as he saw David taking on Goliath. Their soul is knitted together. Now here's one of the things that I do need to, to pass along, especially in the day in which we're living in, that as it says that Jonathan, verse 1, loved him as his own soul. And, and same in verse 3, Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. There are those who will pervert the scriptures and they will say that Jonathan and David had a homosexual relationship. And the scripture does not give that indication whatsoever. They were knitted together a bond, a very special bond that was taking place here that is only found in Christ. And many of us, we know what it means to have a brother or sister that we fellowship with, a bond that is there, somebody who encourages you and builds you up. And that is strong and it's only found in the Lord. And that strong bond, bond is being shown here as Jonathan is given David his robe and armor and sword. Uh, literally, it, it's kind of like you've heard the saying, I'll give my right arm for you or anything that you need. This is the special relationship that Jonathan and, and the, the, the bond that he has with David is being shown here. They had a covenant. They had a covenant with one another. And so Jonathan really is close to David. And this is really very amazing, a special thing, because I think that Jonathan here recognizes that even though my dad is the king, and perhaps I could be the next king after the death of my father, that there's great benefit in that. And I think that Jonathan here recognizes that God has called David to be the king. And we're going to see that is very clear as we move on in first samuel they're going to make a covenant and part of that covenant is david when you become king make sure that you treat my family right when you become king because in ancient times when you became king that you would try to do away and and put to death all the former king's family if there was a change of royalty or anything like that jonathan makes a covenant with david david treat my family right david be kind to my family when you become the king. So Jonathan is seeing things through faith, not of the world. So Jonathan has this special bond with David that has taken place here. David here, is, as we're going to see, um, is going to now be persecuted, is now going to experience the jealousy and the envy of Saul. Now keep that in mind because you recall that it was in chapter 16 that Saul had this distressing spirit that was coming upon him, and they found David to play music for Saul, and Saul was comforted by that. And it says in that chapter, as you finish chapter 16, that Saul loved David, and Saul had David be his armor-bearer. And it was David that was there at the palace, and now at the end of chapter 17, it was Saul because David brought deliverance for Israel that said, David, you're going to be in my palace full-time. You're no longer going to be out in the fields with the shepherds. You're going to be with me. So there's this closeness even at this point 
with, with Saul after the battle uh, that they had just won in chapter 17 after David slew Goliath. So verse um, 5, so David w- went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that um, the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him and he said they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands now what more can he have but the kingdom verse 9 so saw i david from that day forward so david notice here in verse 5 he behaved in a very godly manner he didn't say to jonathan hey jonathan we're we're close we have this covenant let's plot together to overthrow your dad i just got anointed king I don't know if you know that, just two chapters ago, you know, Jonathan. And David wasn't that way. And I believe that at this time, David could have very easily have stolen the hearts of the people. He was accepted in the eyes of the people and in the sight of Saul's servants. He could very easily have done that. Now, in 2 Samuel, after David's been on the throne for a while, his son Absalom, there is this, this... turmoil in the palace of of david's home and absalom his son is bitter towards dad and so he begins to plan and plot and then we see all of a sudden the trumpet blows as absalom it says in second samuel that he stole the hearts of the people and he tried to usurp the throne away from david as he plotted and planned to do that he was manipulating the situation he was manipulating the people he stole their hearts david could have very easily have done that at this time but he acted and behaved and spoke in a godly way and it says something about the character of david the heart of david that he is a man of godly integrity that he is a man of godly character that he's desiring to please the lord with his life and so one of the things that we're going to see as we move through these chapters couple things that david here a man of faith anointed the king he slewed goliath all of a sudden he has the promise of saul's daughter to marry his family's exempt from taxes you're going to come to the palace and you're going to stay with me david you're going to be my servant and it was saul that loved him things looked good for david at a young age and all of a sudden he's going to go through this turmoil And he's going to go through these difficulties and trials. And that's not unusual to see men of faith as we read their story that that happened to them. And we're going to see that David, that he's going to begin to even at time have lapses of faith and try to do things in his own understanding. We'll see that as we continue on. But the Lord is growing David and working through him. And we'll see that as His story unfolds here. There's going to be many years that David is going to be pursued by Saul as Saul is going to be trying to kill David. It reminds me a little bit as we talk about those mountaintop experiences and then all of a sudden there's difficulties and there's trials. Elijah, the great prophet, 
He had that mountaintop experience as he called down fire from heaven and he consumed the sacrifice as he issued that challenge to the prophets of Baal. And then after that, he slewed 400 prophets of Baal down there in the valley and things were looking good for Elijah, this powerful prophet. And all of a sudden, he gets word from Jezebel that she wants to lop his head off, so he got frightened. He was one that took off from the northern part of Israel, clear down to Arabia, to the mountain of God. And on the way down, he's discouraged, and he's down, and he's in the mountain, in the cave, and the Lord begins to speak to him in a still, small voice, Elijah, I'm not done with you. What are you doing here in this cave of discouragement and doubt? I got things for you to do, Elijah. But it's not unusual that we can go through times like that. And we need to be reminded that God is faithful, that he's not through with us, that he's still working in our lives, that he hasn't left us. We're going to see this Sunday as Jesus, he's up on that mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And we read about it last Sunday. They're going to come down from that mountain and they're going to encounter a father whose son is demon-possessed. And the other disciples who had been down there for that time, that Jesus was up on the mountain with his other three disciples, that they couldn't cast this demon out of this boy. So when Jesus gets down from the mountain, this father makes a beeline right for Jesus and says, can you help me? I, I tried to have your disciples cast this demon out of my son, but they've been no help. Can you help me? And Jesus said, only believe. Do you believe? And the Father said, I do believe, but there's unbelief. And you see, in our own lives, we can experience the the faith. There are sometimes there are circumstances I know has happened in my own life that I, you know, I got confidence in the Lord. I see Him working. You know, there's there's faith that I have. It's 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 great to see God working. And then all of a sudden, I'll be faced with another situation, and I begin to become fearful. Or I begin to doubt. Or I begin to to wonder, Lord, are you there? And I don't know why it's that way, but it is with us sometimes, unfortunately. And I'm so thankful that the Lord doesn't give up on us, that in his compassion, in his, you know, patience with us, he's continuing to grow us and to, to teach us and to show his faithfulness to us. And that's what he did with Elijah That's what he did with Jonathan. That's what he's doing with David. And that's what he's going to do with you and with me. So David behaved very wisely. So the second thing that we need to keep in mind as we go through this uh, next few chapters, it's an overwhelming theme, is that David would act the way that God wanted him to act. He, He behaved in a way that was pleasing to the Lord. Listen, when we have somebody that comes against us, we need to determine, are we going to react in the way that God wants us to react, or are we going to react out of the flesh? And David, being a man of sensitivity to the Lord, he knew that God had put Saul in that position of king, and that Saul was going to be taken out by the Lord. And David is behaving wisely. So here is David. He doesn't try to manipulate and steal the hearts of the people. He's going to trust in the Lord. And David, being a great soldier, the women of the cities came singing songs, elevating David over Saul. David's killed 10,000 of the Philistines. Saul has killed 1,000. Saul didn't like that. So he becomes jealous. 
he becomes envious. And as he is jealous and envious towards David, it leads to verse 9, what we read. He's eyeing David. He's watching David. In other words, what it's saying is he's eyeing him, watching him with suspicion. And that's what happened when jealousy takes place. When envy takes place, when bitterness towards somebody takes place, you will first of all know that you have that or somebody has that that is taking place in their heart because they begin to watch that person and they're watching them being suspicious of them and trying to be one that, that I'm going to be critical of them in any way that I can. And the thing about being envious or jealous or bitter or angry or full of malice towards somebody, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy out of you when you're envious or jealous towards somebody and you will focus on that and it will consume you. And you stop focusing on the Lord. You stop trusting in the Lord and you start eyeing that person. You stop looking to the Lord because you're looking to that individual. It takes a lot of energy out of you. And it will ruin people's lives. That Those who go through life being envious and jealous And it even happens in ministry, unfortunately. It happens in ministry. That we can become jealous or envious of somebody that God is using. It can happen with me. Hey, Lord, why aren't you using me like the pastor down the street? Why isn't my church growing like their church is growing? Why don't we have a building like they have? Why don't we, you know, this and that, you know, how come I'm not as popular or as funny or whatever it might be? And the focus all becomes me rather than being content where God has me and thankful that he even wants to use me. So it's something that we got to be on guard about. And it will end up eating away. It will be like cancer and it will grow if we don't give it to the Lord. So the other thing to remember about jealousy and envy is this as well. It will become very apparent to others. It will become very apparent. When they brought Jesus to Pilate, Pilate knew that the religious leaders only brought Jesus to them because they were envious of Jesus. That's what the gospel narratives tell us. And if you are bitter and angry, if you're jealous and envious of somebody, it will come out. You've heard me say that what's in your heart is going to be worked out in your life. Proverbs talks about jealousy. It's like this this taking your bones and and it's rotten to the bone is what it is as Proverbs speaks about and that's what it does it just consumes you so verse 10 so here is Saul he eyed David from that day forward verse 9 and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house so David played music with his hand and at other times but there was a spear in Saul's hand and Saul cast the spear for he said I will pin David to the wall but David escaped his presence twice so the distressing spirit comes upon Saul he tries to kill David throwing a spear at him and David escapes not once but twice I think David's getting the point here all right and Saul's hand is a spear and David's hand was a harp and in our lives we need to determine what is it Lord that I'm going to have in my hand Is it going to be a spear where I'm going to be throwing it at people? I'm going to be envious. I'm going to be jealous. I'm going to be 
bitter towards people, whatever it might be, or are you going to have a harp where you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to just be used of you and whatever you have for me. You know, brothers and sisters, we don't have to be envious or bitter towards anybody. Do you know that? We don't have to be jealous towards anybody else. Because God has a plan for you. And He has a ministry for you. He wants to use you and use you in a way that, that, that is very special and unique. He has something for you that only you, that He's called you to do. So I don't have to be envious and jealous and weird and, and watching other ministries and you know putting them down and being critical because God has given me this church to pastor. And I can be thankful for that. And Lord, help me just be faithful to that. And I just want to do that with your love and, and desire to please you. And I'm going to leave the results up to you. But he has something for each one of us. And that's the wonderful truth that the scripture is given to us. God wants to use you and he places you in, in that place where he has you. He gifts you. He puts things on your heart. And he's going to use each and every one of us in a very unique way for his pleasure and for his purposes. So we don't have to be focused on anybody else. We can learn from others. We can be encouraged from others, certainly, but we don't have to be envious or jealous or bitter towards them at all. So here's David. He has the harp, and he's going to use it to please God, and the way that he behaves is going to be, be pleasing to the Lord. Saul has a spear. So what's going to be in your hand? What's going to be in my hands? Are we going to bless others and serve others? Or are we desiring to pin others to the wall? to come against them. Oh, we may not throw a spear literally, but we'll certainly say some words that will cut them and hurt will come against them. So here is Saul. All of a sudden, he's throwing the spear. David escapes. Verse 12, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. Jealousy leads to watching and then it leads to fear. He's afraid Saul is because he recognizes that God has his hand on David. And think about this. Saul, he's the one that's on the throne. He's the one that's the king. He has the power. He's the one that has the spear. But yet he's afraid. Yet he's the one that's afraid. And the enemy's going to throw those fiery darts at you and me. Especially when God is using us. The enemy is going to desire to come against us, and he's going to try to stir up people to, to bring you down or discourage you or whatever it might be when God is using you, and we need to recognize that that spiritual battle that takes place here is a literal throwing of spears, and, and Saul here is afraid of David. He knows that the Lord is with him, and therefore Saul, verse 13, removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse 14, the second time he behaved wisely. When you behave wisely in a godly character and integrity, will you note, verse 14, that the Lord is with you? He's going to bless you. He hasn't forsaken you. David didn't throw the spear back. 
And I know that it's hard in those situations when you've got people throwing spears at you. But God hasn't left you. He will honor you and protect you. And David continues to find favor with the people. And David didn't try to use it for his own gain. He's trusting in God that, God, you're going to take Saul out when you're ready. And so David here, behaving wisely, the Lord is with him, verse 15. Therefore, when Saul that he, he had behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. And all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. I think that here is Saul. He's putting him at captain of a thousand. He's hoping that the Philistines will kind of, in battle, is going to take care of David. And he's going to continue to try to get David where he's killed by the Philistines. In verse 17, then Saul said to David, here is my older daughter Merab. And I will give her to you as a wife. Only be vigilant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So Saul knows that David's finding favor with the people, that he's behaving wisely. Saul is afraid, so he's thinking, man, just keep sending David out to battle against the Philistines. The Philistines will be against him and all my problems will be solved. But It isn't that easy, is it? Because David is a warrior. David is a great fighter, and God's with him. In verse 18, so David said to Saul, Who am I that what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? David is very humble. David is saying, listen, it's a big deal to be the son-in-law to the king, for the king to give me his daughter. He's very humbled by that. You know, who am I, my family, that, that we should be, And I should be the son-in-law to the king. In verse 19, but it happened at that time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Meholothite, as a wife. And so we see that um, Saul promised whoever killed Goliath was going to marry my daughter. The older daughter is the implication, and Saul gives her to another. He's being dishonest. He's lying to David now. He'd already told him that I'll give you my daughter. And, and then he, last minute, pulls her away and gives her to somebody else. So he continues to manipulate the situation. And so verse 20, now Micah, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. So Saul has another daughter, Micah, or Michael, and Michael is in love with David, and Saul hears about it, and it pleases him. Interesting. And he says, I'll give her to him, and Michael, what she will be is a snare to him. So as you kind of read in between the lines here, there's something about Michael here that there's Saul thinking, aha, this is good. This is good that my other daughter loves David because I'll take her, give her to David. And because maybe of her personality, because of the way that she was, she's going to be used for me, for my favor. He, she's going to be a snare to David. And that's good for me. He didn't care about his daughter. But she's going to be used for for me to be able to get to David. That's how much of a snare she's going to be to him. So there's something about her that, you know, that Saul is planning and he's plotting and he's thinking, Michael, yes, that's, that's a good deal. She's going to bring David down. She's going to help me bring him down, be a snare to him. 
Verse 22, so Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's king, Saul's servant spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing that I am poor and lightly esteemed man? And so again, here is David as he's just looking at this situation in and Saul's still manipulating the situation here. Communicate to David secretly, and, and you servants tell him how much you know he's loved and all of this. Verse 24, And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry but one hundred foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought that make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. As here is Saul manipulating the situation. He's bringing his servants into the situation. Listen, folks, it's real important that we don't get involved when somebody has a campaign against somebody else or complain or they're wanting to tear them down so they can be built up. It's really important as they go out and find recruits. Come on our side. Let's get this group together and we're going to come against this person don't get involved in those things. When there is jealousy and envy and manipulating and lying that is going on, be careful of that at work. Be careful of that in family situations. Be careful of that in the neighborhoods. We don't join in with others that are trying to tear people down in an ungodly way and, and trying to bring them down. And they're trying to recruit you for their cause. And, and let's manipulate. Let's lie. Let's, let's do this. They deserve it. Don't get involved in those things. Because God will not bless it. And he's not going to be with you if you do evil. We've got to be wise and discerning. It was Korah and Dathan and some of the leaders of the children of Israel, remember in Numbers chapter 16, that they came to Moses and Aaron and 250 leaders of the children of Israel. Here is Dathan, here is Korah. They, they get all these people together. And they said, we need to go confront Moses. So that's what they did. They said, Moses, Aaron, you guys think you're pretty special, don't you? You, you think that, that you're only you know, anointed of God. Well, we're special too. And what it was is Korah, as you read the text in that chapter that it was Korah, he was challenging Aaron for the ministry that he had as high priest. Korah, he wanted to be the high priest. He wanted to go into the Holy of Holies. He's the one that wanted that position. Aaron, Moses, you take too much upon yourself. Well, we're special too. So here are all these people that they had gathered in this campaign. And, and it says in that chapter, as you read on, that then all the children of Israel began to join in in that. And then God, in, in his anger, what he did is he opened up the earth and Korah and Dathan and, and the 250 leaders of the congregation that had joined in with that rebellion against Moses and Aaron, they were all swallowed up. Swallowed up by the earth. Because the Lord's anger was aroused. And the thing is, if you want to find yourself being swallowed up or in a pit, it's when you have a spirit of rebellion and you join in with that, with what somebody is doing against somebody else in a very ungodly way. You know what else it reminds me of? Daniel chapter 6. Remember Daniel, godly man, a man of integrity, a man of 
all his life in the 70 years of captivity that he did what was pleasing to the Lord. He stood for the Lord. He was one that was used of the Lord. And towards the end of his life, as he's serving King Darius, there's these leaders of, of the, the Medes that came and said to Darius, hey, you need to make a decree that no one worships you for the next, no one worships any other God except you for the next 30 days because they were jealous of Daniel. Daniel was really uh, the right-hand man to Darius. He was elevated in that position. He was being... Um, one that was used in the kingdom, and they tried to find fault with Daniel, but they could not find fault with Daniel. So those administrators and, and those other governors, they tricked Darius into signing this decree that no one worships anyone but you for the next 30 days because if we are going to find fault with Daniel, it's going to be concerning worshiping his God. They knew that if Darius signed that decree that Daniel was going to go to pray to the Lord, and that's what Daniel did. And he was thrown in the lion's den, and God protected him, and God honored Daniel and was with Daniel. So the next day, Daniel's brought out, and all those administrators and governors that plotted against Daniel were thrown into the lion's den. And it says, before they even hit the ground, the lions consumed them and broke their bones, them and their families. I want to stress that as you live and behave in a godly way, and godly integrity, that God is with you, and he's going to work in your life, and he's going to protect you, and he's going to honor that. But if you behave in a way that is ungodly, and you're going, you know, and manipulating and lying and getting involved in these campaigns against somebody, you know what, you're going to get bit, and you're going to get chomped on, and you're going to see the consequences that are going to be not good because of that. Because you're joining in with this envy or jealousy or coming against somebody in an ungodly way. So here is Saul just continuing to manipulate this situation. So in verse 26, his servants told David these words that pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law and now the days had not expired. And therefore David arose and went and he and his men and killed 200 men of the Philistines. Now, we saw that it was Saul that said to David, listen, you don't, you don't need to, to have this dowry to give to me. You know, a dowry, of course, in ancient times was when, you know, someone's daughter was going to marry a husband that the family of the husband would give to the family of the bride, the daughter, a dowry. It would be in, you know, animals or some kind of, dowry that was put away in case the husband divorced the wife, and then she would have something to fall back on. So I don't need a, a dowry from you, just 104 skins of the Philistines. So David goes out in verse 27, and he kills 200 Philistines and gets their four skins. They gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as a wife. And thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Isn't that interesting that Saul became David's enemy? David, who was acting and behaving wisely. David, who had saved the nation from the Philistines and from Goliath. David, who was this godly young man 
that at one time Saul loved. And Saul said, you're going to be my armor bearer. You're going to stay here in the palace with me and minister with me. And all of a sudden, that all comes to an end. And toward David now is an enemy. So you go from watching to being afraid to wanting somebody dead. That's what jealousy does. Just They're dead in your heart. You want nothing to do with them. You're going to keep throwing spears at them in the way that you act towards them. And all of a sudden, they become your enemy. And that's the progression that we see in this chapter. And that's the progression that will happen to any of us that act in that manner. That we allow the envy and the jealousy to take over us. You're going to be watching that person. You're going to be afraid of that person. Then all of a sudden, you're going to be throwing spears, you're going to be manipulating the situation, and all of a sudden they become an enemy. You see the progression. It gets worse and worse, and it's bad news. It's just plain bad news. So the Lord is going to now be with David, and David here is going to, verse 30, the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely, the third time we see that, than all the servants of Saul so that his name became highly esteemed. Behave wisely. And I know it's hard and it's difficult when you got a boss, when you got a co-worker, when you got a neighbor, when you got a schoolmate or whatever it might be that is just nasty and mean to you. And if that's what you have tonight, I want you to know that the Lord sees you and you're highly esteemed. You behave wisely. And you don't know, you don't know, as you become that witness to them in behaving wisely, that they're not going to be convicted. They just might. You might be the only light that they'll ever see. I know it doesn't happen in every case. But behave wisely and trust in the Lord and turn to Him and allow Him to work in your situation. But don't let others determine how you're going to act and behave. You let the Lord determine that. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time in your word and this lesson and this, this incredible chapter. And, Father, um, we didn't get as far as we wanted to, but that's okay. This is what you have for us tonight. And, Lord, I just want to pray tonight for us that, first of all, if there's any of us, that if we have any kind of jealousy or envy or bitterness towards anybody else, we know that it harms us. It's like poison to the soul. And Lord, I pray right now, so we're just quiet before you, that we would confess it, and Lord, that we would turn away from it, because you will help us to do that. And you may be here, and you may feel like, I have reason to be bitter. I have reason to feel the way that I feel, but give it to the Lord because it's going to hurt you and it's going to consume you. And the Lord doesn't want you to be bound up in that. He doesn't want you to be consumed by that. He wants you to be free and to trust Him and to know that He has a plan and a purpose for you just as He did for David. And you pray, Lord, help me, Lord, 
to forgive, to get rid of this envy, this jealousy. I confess it, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help me to be free from this, not to be consumed and in bondage to it. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that maybe they're on the other end, like David was, of somebody who's envious and jealous and they're throwing spears at you and being nasty to you and coming against you, attacking you, that, that you would give them the strength and the wisdom to behave in a way and conduct themselves in a way that is pleasing to you, knowing that you are with them, that you see them, that you're going to honor that, Lord, that you will esteem them highly. And they would give it to you, that you would protect and put that hedge of protection, Bring their, be their strong tower, be their refuge, Lord, be their strength and comfort right now. Because it is very difficult. And David is going to be chased by Saul for the next 12 years through the wilderness. And David learned to worship and to draw close to the Lord and understood that the Lord was with him and would save him from his enemies. And those promises are true for every single one of us who has a Saul that's pursuing us and throwing spears at us. So tonight I pray that we be comforted, that Lord, that you would bless and strengthen And Father, I do pray that tonight, that Lord, as we continue the worship, that we would just give our hearts to you, worship you, Lord, if there's things that are in our lives that aren't right. Maybe it's other areas that we're not behaving rightly. or Lord, other things that come to mind that you've been dealing with us about. Or maybe other trials that you're going through. Maybe you feel weakness in faith or faltering or... Lord, just discourage whatever it might be that you would build up right now, just as David, as he would play the harp and bring comfort, that we would be comforted right now. So bless this time as we worship, as we just keep focused on you.